Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is December the 14th, 2021. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am here on the show with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you doing, man? You know what? I'm good. And this, um, I just, it, it, it's not something that's that's very rare, obviously, for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be doing this. But uh, on days when the market's down in my portfolio, my long-term investments are up. It just makes, it just puts me in a better mood. As does everyone else. Yes, yes. Yeah, even though I it's agree. just a day, it's just a single day, it still puts me in a better mood. I would like to take a minute um, just to, uh, you know, before we get going on stocks, investments, and finances, thank everyone. I know Chinchilla Pickens said we would pay for anyone who wanted to do the Arthritis Foundation Jingle Bell Run with us. Um, I want to personally thank everybody for showing up who did show up, everybody who uh, allowed us to donate on their behalf for a registration fee. We appreciate that as well. Uh, that was a fun run. It was very, very wet, but it was a fun run nonetheless. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dave, for driving. So uh, we got to soak your blanket in your passenger seat, not mine. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we had a, a, I think it was about a 20-minute storm with torrential rains, torrential rains and winds that hit right in the middle of the race. And that was, that was fun. Yeah, so. and wind, like high wind too. So it wasn't just rain coming down on you. It was rain coming at you. The point kind of kind of took your breath away for a yeah, moment. It did. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got through it. We're here. We thank everybody for doing that. Our next charity event, if we do another one, we'll let you guys know about it, where we're going to be. And if you want us at your charity event, you know, you want, hey, Dave, Brandon, and Dave, set up a booth. Come on down. Talk to us. Have a discussion. If you want us at your college university giving a talk or a live feed or a live podcast, let us know. We will set that up and we'll make that happen. We, we are yours world. We're here to make everybody money. So reach out to us, DM us, and uh, make sure if we do show up, give Brandon lots of hugs. So I need them. <laughs> what do you say? That's enough fluff. Let's get into the show. Uh, everybody, the rules, rules, rules. Here's what they are. Brandon and I get together five to 10 minutes before the show. Today it was literally like probably four or five minutes max. And we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We do not discuss it. You hear the live discussion here on the show. There is some things I know Brandon is going to bring up that I disagree with. So I'm looking forward to today's show. I'm kind of excited for this because I, I feel like it's going to be fun for the listeners as well. When we have these moments where, you know, we're on, we, we come together with like similar topics, but opposing views, you know? So let's set the stage here because you trade well with the crowd and you beat the market when you do it which i think is exceptional because the fact of the matter is is most people who trade with the crowd they trade with the trend they just meet the market they just meet the s p 500 uh, because that's what they're trading with you find ways to beat the market for me i'm a contrarian i don't like crowds in port in person or <laughs> or in the market at all so i trade against the market and I think that's where some of our disagreements are going to come from today, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we didn't, we never decided who went first today, man. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, Brandon. You make the call. Uh, I can go. You go ahead. You go ahead since uh, some of my stuff actually fits in with some of your stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, first of all, I want to address what inflation actually is. 
When you say inflation by itself, you just use the word inflation without price inflation, you know, without the word price in front of it, you just say inflation. Inflation is the increase in the monetary supply. A symptom of the increase of monetary supply is price inflation, right? So price inflation can come from a number of things. Prices going up, it could be uh, the supply chain difficulties that we're having. It could be actual inflation of the monetary supply, which I think it's actually both. But I think that's very important to get that right and get that right off the bat because I have read so many articles about inflation that have made, they have made conclusions that are completely inaccurate. And the reason why has been because they're using price inflation in place of actual inflation. So you have to get these words correct. Otherwise your argument's not really gonna make any good, any sense. And I've seen arguments from the New York Times and from the Wall Street Journal that have gotten this wrong. And the result was that their conclusions that they drew were wildly inaccurate. So let's get that right. Inflation is the increase in the monetary supply and economics. Price inflation, such as the CPI or PPI, that's, that's different. That's a symptom of actual inflation. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about today, I started re reading a couple of books, actually, and, and I wanted to bring this uh, to the audience's attention because I think it's important to know the characteristics of a, of a market cycle so that you could try to figure out which one we're in. And this is characteristics of a market cycle as described in the book, Early Speculative Bubbles and Increases in the Supply of Money by Douglas E. French. There's a free ebook on this uh, provided by Mises.org, and I will leave this in the episode notes so that everybody can access this book. Now, the market rise, and this is directly from that book, the market rise starts off because of some exogenous shock such as war, the end of a war, a technological or natural resource discovery, a debt conversion that precipitously lowers interest rates, things like that. The shock creates new opportunities for profit, and then there's a boom that comes about because of it. The boom is nurtured by an expansion of bank credit, which expands the, monet uh, the monetary supply. Alternatively, the velocity of the circulation increases, so people are spending and spending and spending, right? As increased demand pushes up the price of goods and financial assets, new profit opportunities are found and confidence grows in the economy. Multiplier and accelerator effects interact and the economy enters into a boom or euphoric state. At this point, overtrading in the market may take place. And overtrading in the market may involve pure speculation that has an overemphasis on the acquisition of assets for capital rather than income return. Uh, it may also involve overestimation of prospective returns by companies, excessive gearing involving the imposition of low cash requirements on the acquisition of financial assets through buying on margin, installment purchases, and so on. And, and I want to add here D. This is So we just went through A, B, C, and D here. I want to talk about D. People start looking for places to put their money where it can beat out the effects of inflation. The idea becomes 
that sitting on cash is a bad bet because cash continues to devalue. This leads more to malinvestment and more speculation. When newcomers come to the market, they're attracted by the prospect of large capital gains for a small outlay that have been realized by the people that came before them. And those people, the newcomers become numerous. The, actu uh, I'm sorry. the activity assumes a separate abnormal momentum on its own. Insiders recognize this danger and they start to move out of securities into money despite the fact that money is devaluing, okay? A financial distress period then sets in as newcomers become aware that if there's a rush for liquidity, prices will collapse. The race to move out of securities gathers pace. Revulsion against securities becomes the new norm, and this develops as banks start calling in loans and selling collateral. Panic then sets in as the market collapses, and the question arises as to whether the government or central bank should come in and act as a lender of last resort in what has been described a lifeboat operation. Then the cycle begins again with the re-expansion of credit. So we have the expansion of credit, the expansion of the monetary supply. And then at the very end, when the panic is happening, the free market comes in. There's price discovery, not only in assets, but in money as well. And we start to revalue things. And then the Federal Reserve and the government come in and they try to influence another expansion. So there's your cycle. We go through this over and over and over and over again. We never seem to get out of it. Give me one second. We never seem to get out of it. And one of the major reasons that we never get out of this is because people start to blame things that had really nothing to do with it, or the things that they blame were just simply symptoms, such as human greed and, and so on. We blame greed, we blame deregulation, and we blame capitalism. And none of those were the causes. The cause was the expansion of credit that shouldn't have happened in the first place. Go ahead, Dave. No, 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 never mind. I, I see where you're going with your thought. Continue, man. Go ahead. Get to, let me know uh, where you think we are at currently in the cycle will be one of my questions for you right now. So we are at the point, in my opinion, where we've all recognized inflation is at least temporarily the new normal and people are buying securities, there's a lot of newcomers to the market and they're putting their money in places that they think will beat inflation. Some of these will prove to be malinvestments, others not. I don't even think the Fed says it's temporary anymore, Brandon. I think everybody's pretty much accepted that the inflation is a uh, not a transient thing right now. It's not a transient thing at this moment. However, at some point, there will be a price discovery process in which where we look at our uh, assets and, we, and, and those prices start to come down again. It's going to have to happen. Otherwise, we're just going to continue dra uh, dragging out the inflation. We might have stagflation like we did in the 1970s if we continue to try to drag the credit process uh, on the way that we have been doing. This is why, I mean, I know that a lot of people say this is a bad bet just to have cash, but I want people to have a comfortable amount of cash in their portfolio, one third to one half of their portfolio, because eventually prices are going to have to come down. Not only in assets, not only in groceries, but in stocks and so on. 
eventually that money is going to have to be revalued. Eventually banks are going to have credit crunches and eventually we're going to have a revaluation of the dollar upward because they're going to have to start pulling in the purse strings. You're assuming a, that the government's going to have to pull in the purse strings that they're not going to keep spending. That's, that's an assumption. And uh, based off that assumption, you're saying this is what you should do. That's a, given our current administration and government right now, that's, that's a big assumption. And well, I, I would, I wouldn't, I would not bet my money on that. It's an assumption based on history that if they allow the free market to do its thing, then that will happen. Um, yeah. Cause the hyperinflation in the seventies led to Reagan be being elected and Reaganomics is based off a of free uh, staying out of the economy's way. And that's what the whole thing was. The soaring eighties happened because of it. And nobody ever thought a, you know, someone other than that party would ever win a, uh, an election again because of the, the great economical uh, uh, turnaround of the United States during that time. So yeah, I, I understand the concept, but I, I can't see right now us not stop stopping the spending, to be honest. It depends. So Jay Powell, he's the head of the Federal Reserve, and he's going to be the one that's going to be pulling the interest rates up if, if they wind up doing it in a way that they should. Paul Volcker was the uh, head of the Federal Reserve. He was actually nominated by uh, by uh, Jimmy Carter, surprisingly. And he was the one who made that decision, Let, let's tackle inflation, and then the unemployment uh, situation will resolve itself. One of the good things that the Carter administration did was putting him in office. And uh, in my opinion, the best Fed chair we ever had. Currently in, in, in our environment right now, you see us at a turning point going into a recession yes no yeah i think it's going to happen i don't it's very hard to judge when these things are going to take place because there's been so much uh stimulus and so much um extra money put into this economy that it could take years to unwind but everybody's talking about stocks now man everybody's talking about stocks and crypto and nfts and all that stuff and and, and it's like it's kind of a red flag to me so because everybody's talking about it, it's a red flag? Yes. Why do you think everybody's talking about stocks and uh, investments and financials right now? Because nobody wants to sit on cash that is devaluing. I disagree right there. They are, they I are. believe people are talking about right now because, uh, it, I mean, they were starting this. The snowball was going Yeah. already, but COVID turned it from a snowball into a huge little, huge boulder, right? That's what COVID happened. COVID happened, and all of a sudden, people were staying at home more. They, they, they were looking at their finances and financial situations, and they, they looked around, and you have this thing called the internet and Facebook and social media and everywhere, and they're seeing lots of people make money off of investments, stocks, and finances. And they're saying they're doing this with just like a few clicks of their mouse or a few taps of their phone. And you know what? I got some cash here on the yeah. hand I've been sitting on. I'm going to go ahead and start going and investing. And you see it turn this snowball that was already moving and eventually going to become a boulder. Maybe it would, it, it, instead of like taking five to six years to get there, it took one year. And that's what you saw happen. And that's what you're seeing right now is those people are still in the market. Some people I personally know made a ton of money and now their lifestyle has changed completely and they don't want to go back. So one third of the stimulus went into stocks, one third of it. 
I think part of that is um, I, I think we actually have all of these things working together. Part of it was that people look back at the previous 10 years and, and saw what stocks have done since 2010 and said, I want a piece of that. Another portion of the people and maybe even those same people looked at it and said, wait, you know, the dollar is devaluing. Where can I put my money to beat inflation instead of just sitting on it and losing wealth? Well, stocks, stocks often beat inflation. So let's do that as well. And then you had COVID and you had the situation where people received all the stimulus and, and had all this extra cash and one third of it made its way into the market. Um, plus there was sports betting wasn't a thing because we didn't really have sports during the COVID uh, situation. So instead of sports betting, people fed that need by being in, into the stock market and trading stocks as well. So I think it's kind of a, a mixture between all three things. And as far as you, so you lumped in cryptocurrency with this and cryptocurrency had its big, huge or global movement from a tiny pebble rolling down a mountain into a, a, not a boulder at that point, but it was getting to be a boulder and people and the smart people saw that it was going to be a boulder at that point was when Cyprus went through what it went through and the people of Cyprus couldn't get their money. Mm -hmm. Their money was devalued. The banks were locked up. They couldn't get their money. They're only allowed so much money per day to withdraw. So what the people of Cyprus did was they went ahead and all of a sudden you see this huge spike in Bitcoin huge everybody started pouring their money into bitcoin because they they realized at that moment in time that their government could no longer be trusted to uh, keep the value of their money up at a certain level they wanted an alternative and bitcoin was it and so i i, I look at it differently than i do stocks in that regard that it is an alternative to a dollar to a yen you know to a won to to a rupee it is it's an alternative to those it's not yet yeah it is why why is it not yet you can't really exchange it for much of anything i mean there's yeah, you can exchange it for anything i could go buy a car with bitcoin not from i can exchange it for for a for one i could exchange it for you know rupees i could exchange it for pounds i could exchange it for anything could you go to a uh, most dealerships at most dealerships could you use bitcoin to buy a car no, probably not. Not yet. Probably not. Not not most not most dealerships. But I could de I could deposit cash into an ATM at a gas station into my Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's an alternative. It's getting there. It's not it's not the exact one for one alternative you're thinking of in your head. Yeah. But it, it you you cannot deny it's an alternative, and it's an alternative to government-based currencies, and it gives people a place to put their money that a government can't control. That's why I love the idea of Bitcoin. But I, for me, as a long-term investment, it's going to be a small amount of my portfolio until I see that it survives the next recession. And, and then at that point, Brandon, I'm I'm going to be sitting here with millions of dollars, and you're going to have your hundred thousand. And it's we'll because see. you you did not see the vision. What? Why? Why do? You, why are you so certain? What gives me the confidence to know that Bitcoin will return to former glory after a recession if it drops? Or it's what gives me the confidence to think that it won't drop during a recession? What's the intrinsic reason to that? 
All right, so I'm, I'm not going to give you intrinsic reason. I'm going to give you a history lesson on Bitcoin. In every country that has had a major recession, Bitcoin has gone up in that country. If Bitcoin goes up during recessions. Uh, what I'm going to get to later on here in, in my topics here is I believe we are going into a recession and I believe Bitcoin is going to go we, up. We haven't had a financial global recession since 2008. Yeah, I mean, and but have we had a United States recession? I'm not talking about global. Let's just talk about the United States economy alone right now. I mean, if you call COVID a recession, I don't. It was a it was a pandemic. It was right. It was manipulated economic system at that time. I don't call okay. it a recession. So there's what you're saying is that there's been other economies such as South America. Maybe uh, like uh, it, uh, maybe countries in South America, sorry, that have had recessions or or in um, Asia or somewhere. That yeah, and and that country has gone through a tough time and in recession, and and people put the money in Bitcoin because it's safe. It's safer than the government currencies. Okay, we'll come back to that. So there's there's people because you can't reply to it because you can't reply to it. Well, no, because I have other points. To make. Oh, okay, go I ahead. Have to go, go ahead. in order. I want, I want to hear these other points. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th there are people that believe we're in a bubble, people that don't believe we're in a bubble. There's one person, uh, this is Paul Singer, uh, in a letter to Elliott Management shareholders um, dated January 28th, 2021. He said, we believe that hindsight will show the champion of head smacking craziness in the American stock market to be the period that is playing out now. On the other side of this, the Evercore ISI, um, their uh, chairman, Ed Hyman, he said, massive unprecedented, unprecedented stimulus is already in place and it's increasing. It's firing on all cylinders via QE, interest rates and fiscal stimulus. We believe that we are at the start of a new expansion that will last five years or more. And he said he went on to say this too. Barron said a year ago that policymakers would have to get creative to an avert an economic catastrophe they did and as a result better times await i contend here that actually this this has not been creative whatsoever we're just recycling the same stuff that we've been through over and over and over again and new um products or lines of credit or new ways that the federal reserve's acting all wind up with the same thing and that's injecting money and stimulus and credit into the economy it's not creative or innovative in any way whatsoever that's my opinion. There are obviously other people that disagree with me here. So if you're listening to this and you disagree with me, I don't hate you for disagreeing with me. I just, you know, I, this is where I fall on, on this issue. Go ahead. Here's my thing. The, the, the Fed is, has gone on TV and they said, uh, and this is the past few days, they have said that they will be cutting, they will be tapering, sorry, not cutting, tapering their, their bond purchases and their mortgage purchases coming up first quarter of next year. That will happen. Mm -hmm. So that's going to cause, you know, rates to rise on bonds. Like you were talking about, what was it? I think two shows ago, you, you had started to discuss that what's going to happen to the bonds and the interest rates and how this is going to affect and what stocks to buy. And so if you're listening right now, that was, that would be a good show to re-listen to if you, if you want a show to re-listen to. And so you, you were right in that regard. Um, that, that that's probably what's going to happen. My concern is when they stop buying mortgage bonds, 
banks are going to have to be have uh, tighter control over who to give mortgages to. And that's going to limit the, the, the mortgage market to people who want to buy more houses and rent out rather than people who are looking to buy and own. Now, on the other hand, on the other side of that, though, hopefully we allow that to affect housing prices. And even though I own a home, um, you own a condo and all of that good stuff, we, we don't like to see the value of our houses come down. I do like to see prices and housing come down uh, at points in order to allow people to buy new homes and to not uh, wind up being in debt for the rest of their life. Right. So, so hopefully we allow home prices to come down uh, for demand and, and demand to meet those prices. Does that, am I making sense? Yeah, it, you're, you're making sense. And one, one thing like people have realized like recently this past year, year and a half, wages have increased. All these companies across the board have increased their wages. They pay their employees because of that. Some of them have passed that on in, in immediate costs rising to their products. And then you also see producers now, uh, on the first start of the whole supply chain line, they're having to raise their prices and that's going to trickle down and it's going to affect the end prices even more. So these wage increases are, are pretty much null, if not actually a negative right now, right? or will be a negative come, I say, second quarter of next year for a lot of people. Yeah, It really didn't do them any good whatsoever. Yeah. But if and we- it, if we allow the market to to do its thing, then deflation will have to come. We'll have to see deflation on the back end of inflation, which and, and people often blame raising of interest rates and deflation, all that. They blame that or they blame the recession on that. Well, really, you should be looking at the credit expansion, uh, the unnatural credit expansion um, initiated by central banks as, as the cause. And right. So- so what, here's the question I have written down and I, I posed before the show and I asked you not to say anything in response to it, but I'm going to ask you now to say something in response to it. So what does all this Fed cutting and buying, uh, Fed cutting, buying bonds and everything and all these interest rates rising have to do with me, Joe on the street? How does that affect my pocketbook and us as investors and financial people trying to make money off of it, how can we make money with that news? Well, essentially what, what the Federal Reserve's doing with interest rates, raising and lowering it, they're raising and lowering the cost of money. That's what the interest rate at its basic level is, is the cost of producing and loaning money. So when they lower that, when they lower the interest rates, they, they have the cost of the money go down because they want to be able to produce more and more and more and more of it and loan more and more and more of it. Um, Oftentimes when they raise the interest rate, sometimes they'll raise it too high. Uh, and really, this is my argument is that the Federal Reserve should have no, absolutely no business in this, um, in this uh, maestroing of the economy whatsoever. We should allow the free markets to price money uh, because there's been times in the past where raising interest rates has caused the, inf- the, uh, uh, the recession and um, if, if they've done it too far too fast. So I this is what you have to look at. The Federal Reserve has to walk a tightrope here and they have to try to mimic what the free market would actually do. And they don't really know that because they're not allowing the free market to work. So what it means for you when they start to raise interest rates, maybe, maybe when they're tapering bonds, they'll taper enough to where you can put your money into a bond and beat inflation. Maybe, but we'll see. Who knows? Um, It also means that the... um, 
the future value of currently overvalued stocks should come down. So if you're buying um, stocks, if you're being if you're being smart about it, you'll beat out that the, the next recession. You'll beat out the next pullback. And um, so GameStop and AMC should drop finally. GameStop yes, and yeah, AMC they should. should drop they absolutely will come down. There's no doubt in my mind that they will come down. I'm not playing puts against them because I, I try not to bet against the madness of the crowds, even though I know the crowds are insane. Uh, they they have a lot of money and they, they can do this for a very long time, but eventually it's going to come to an end. Gotcha. Couldn't hear me play with a plastic wrapper in the background. My anxiety just went up, so I was fiddling. With the plastic <laughs> it's because we're having a good discussion here, man. Um, so here, here's here's some other questions I have, and it has to do with all this, right? Yeah. So I was reading an article on Fidelity, and it was about staff companies are good buy during recession because during a recession, you know, staffing needs are going to go up because people can't can't find jobs. It's not that they're picking and choosing and being picky. They just can't find them. And that's what happens in a recession. And so as if, if you think we're looking to a recession, is a staffing company a good buy? That's the whole article was all about this and describing this relation, direct relationship with them. What my question is, is do you believe, Brandon, are we headed into a recession? Yes, I do believe that. And as far as the staffing company goes, oftentimes when you're at the end of a business cycle, you're at the peak of the euphoria. Um, right now, we have a lot of people who do not have jobs, and we have a lot of employers looking for people to come to work, right? There's a staffing shortage. Um, but people already know that at this point in time. People already know that. They've already priced it in into the staffing companies like Kelly's Services and all that stuff. They've already priced that in. So right now, if you think you're going into a recession at the height of the labor shortage, no, no, I do not believe that staff, staffing, uh, staffing companies are a good buy because what's happened has already been priced in. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and it's weird how market work, markets work like that sometimes too. People often point to gold and say that it's not an inflation hedge because look what gold does when inflation hits the, uh, the economy. But then I, I often point them backwards and say, wait, look what gold did going into inflation because investors invest based on what they expect. And so they'll invest expecting inflation when inflation actually comes, a lot of people move out and, and sell their investments because, you know, it may be peaking at that point in time. So gold is a, it is an inflation hedge. It just the price of, of gold moves up oftentimes prior to inflation. Yeah. And what you're talking about is what every smart investor does is they sell the news. They don't buy the news. They sell the news. They already knew it was going to happen. They were already invested. The news came out. The stock moved. They sold and got out. Do you have any more, Brandon? Anything yes, I do. I've got quite a bit more, actually. So right. well, we, we may not have enough time for all of it. And I got two calls. So give me five minutes at the end to make my two calls. Okay. The rest of the time is yours. Okay. So let's go back and look at the... We talked about this earlier on an episode uh, a long time ago. Um, we're 45 episodes into this, I think, by the way. Woohoo! Right. Yeah. Chinchilla picking. So, so an attempt... Okay. So let me talk about this real quick. The Tulip Mania. We talked about Tulip Mania before. Okay. And let, let's go into the causes of this because I was talking with a friend of mine the other day about how one single tulip uh, could be worth as much as $50,000 in today's money. 
and 17th century Amsterdam and how you could trade a single tulip or two for a house. You could actually use these tulips for currency. And, and the question was, how did that ever happen? So there's actually some rational reasons here, and I want to go into them a little bit. Now, the Bank of Amsterdam did not play a role in increasing or decreasing directly the interest rates here, which is something that differentiates this from, from modern business cycles. But it's not that different when you look into it, because after the fall of the Roman Empire, countless new currencies were created in Europe, and every single foreign state began the process of debasing currencies and devaluing them, with the basic thought process that more money meant more wealth. We now know that to not be the case. Many of the coins were produced with low-cost metals, with little, if any, attention paid to the quality of metal being used, so that they could keep the cost of producing the coinage low. And they can keep producing more coins. Now, the cost of producing the coinage, keeping that low is essentially, not exactly, but essentially the same as lowering interest rates. There was also an expansion of mining for precious metals in North America and also in Japan. And the Dutch had a trade monopoly with Japan, which increased the supply of Japanese precious metals in Amsterdam, thereby lowering their value, especially in regards to silver. This essentially was, like I said, the same thing as lowering interest rates because interest rates at their base are the cost of money. Now, to prove what I just said, from 1629 to 1636, gold minted for Dutch currency went from just over 153,000 coins to over 2 million coins. Silver coins minted went from over 2 million silver coins minted to over 20 million minted. Now, Tulip mania began in 1634 and it climaxed in February of 1637. The Semper Augustus Emperor Tulip Bulb was the most valuable. It was rare. And an attempt to create rarity when this tulip mania was happening, to sell your Augustus Semper Tulip Bulb or its offspring, you had to obtain permission from one single merchant that controlled all of the transactions. This reminding you of anything yet, Dave? Maybe Bitcoin? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, also in regards to rarity, it takes over a decade for a single seed to grow into a flower. So it takes a very long time for this to happen. Now, now you can, and I'm not a florist, so I don't exactly how, I don't know how this works, but you can clone these things and somehow get them to grow in three years. So there is that. But then after a few years, the tulip dies. In the meantime, it produces seeds. But as said, it takes 10 years for them to sprout and bloom unless you clone them. Tulips only blossom between March and May, so that adds to the rarity. During this period of time, tulips cannot be moved or they will die. You will have to move them after the tulip retreats back into its bulb form. It is for this reason the tulip can only be exchanged between people during a limited time each year. And I never thought I'd be talking about flowers on this podcast, but <laughs> it's important to understand tulip media. So... Now, this was interesting, too. There was, a, there was a virus that made the tulips look like they had flames and, and sometimes gave them an even mosaic pattern. So when the, the virus infected these tulips, these tulips became like way more valuable than the other ones. So as a currency, a single tulip at the height of the bubble could buy you a house. Because of the mania, tulip futures were created. This was some of the first options in, in a major stock market. Now, why did this bubble burst? Some people say it was potentially because of plague scares that 
people stop showing up for these auctions, right? Like we have COVID now, people don't want to go and gather in masses, and they didn't want to back then either. Um, people who own tulip futures tried to sell their investments uh, quickly when the prices started to drop, and it sped up the price drop. Now, there are many reasons why demand for an asset falls off a cliff suddenly. Sometimes it's a panic created by an exterior factor. In order to recover from the panic, an asset must have an intrinsic convertible value. I can turn gold into silver. And I'm sorry, I can't turn gold into silver, but I can, I can turn gold and silver into jewelry, for example, right? So my question is, until the end of the next recession, how do I know that Bitcoin will be stable at its current value or even just a little bit below it? When 10 years ago, it was trading for like what, like 10 bucks or something like that? Now, Less than it, that. now if you look at Holland, Holland still has a huge flower economy. Tulips are still in high demand. You buy a couple of them for a, a couple of dollars instead of spending thousands of dollars on them now. So it's not that crypto will go away, but maybe just maybe we're overvaluing it. I disagree. And in a that, that was that was a lot of words there that you said, and I, I have two words I disagree. Um, it is not overvalued; it is undervalued. People, so what people are coming out of, the, of this pandemic with is a, a is a distrust of government. You see it in Australia, you see it in Europe, you see it in the protests everywhere you go. China is cracking down harder on its residents and, and the cryptocurrency because people don't trust the government. They want another way to put their money. China's really cracking down on cryptocurrency amongst its residents. There, there is a distrust of government right now across the globe. Nobody is trusting their own government. There's protests every day, thousands of people for every different reason under the sun. Whether you agree or not agree with them, it, that, that's, that's besides the moot point to what I'm making here. The point I'm making is people are, are going to invest more in cryptocurrency because it's, it's, a, it's, it's something to put your money in rather than a government-backed currency. It's, it's the yin to that yang, and people are preferring that right now. And they will go forward because you have a whole generation of people who now have that distrust of the government. And this is what, how they're going to show it. And this is what they're going to use. And they're going to say, no, I don't accept dollars here. I only accept Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency, Doge, Dogecoin or whatever. You know, that's what's going to be accepted at different places here soon. You're going to see people not accept U.S. dollars. What, what concerns me really at the end of every recession, if we allow the price discovery and, and, and all of that good stuff and interest rates to come about and in and, uh, and assets, at the end of every recession we had, at least in the 20th and so far 21st century, comes deflation, which essentially is the revaluing of the U.S. dollar upwards. It's gaining value because there's less of it in circulation. And I'm concerned about how uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular will react if that happens. Hopefully it will react good. Hopefully. But yeah. um, theoretically, it would actually go down in the deflation. That, that's, that's because you're viewing it as a commodity. And I keep saying you cannot view it as a commodity. If it is a currency and we do use it as a currency, and if that's the case, and you're saying that it's more of the case now than I believe that it is, 
then that's true. Then the value will actually go up along when when the dollar rebounds. Yep. And that's you why I, point I, feel, I didn't think of before the show. That's why I view it as a safe, a safe investment. And and people people keep saying, well, Bitcoin, uh, you know, is this and that. This is what happens to uh, speculative stocks. And I'm like, it's not a stock. There's no Bitcoin company IPO in next month. There's there's no Bitcoin not CEO. There, you got is stop looking at it as a stock. It's not a stock, and it's and not a commodity. It's 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 a currency. If the price. And the, value of the currency goes up because more and more people are putting their money into it because they don't trust the government man okay, i didn't expect that point and you kind of have me kind of uh at least partially siding with you now because if it is a currency at that point and asset prices drop because of a recession then you're right bitcoin might actually go up in value there yep people want some place yeah viewed as a currency yep okay all right. I didn't expect that, but I'm happy right now. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of like you, you, people are like, well, then you have, why do you have all these ETFs and, and indexes based off of Bitcoin? I'm like, you have a US dollar index. You have ETFs on the US dollar. I mean, it's no different than any of these other ones, man. People, people are going to make derivatives on everything they possibly can make a derivative on just because that's the way to make money. Look, I think we stumbled upon something here. Could that be the reason why Bitcoin's going down right now while prices are going up? It could be. It could be, yeah. It could be, yes. I, I you know, I, I think it's just a rebalance in the people's books before the end of the year. Okay. I, I say come January, you're going to see a, a Bitcoin jump back up, which leads me into wait, wait, my wait, last wait. point. No, no, no. You okay. promised me five minutes. We're almost done. Please. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm going to give you five minutes, but I want to talk about the SPACs. But, but you can you can talk real but quick anyway, real quick we gotta bit. make this quick brandon you, you might have to say specs for another day okay or next week you might have to i got two buys guys right now two buys hot buys bye 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 this is david's buy i don't ever do this i don't know why i'm doing it right now um cooler cooler dropped down to 288 it dropped below three to me that's a buy signal back up the trucks load up all you can buy some cooler k-u-l-r the uh, December 14, 2021 at 511 p.m. I called cooler a buy. All right. Also a buy riot. Riot, because I believe Bitcoin is going up at the after the new year. Riot's gonna jump up as well. Right now, riot was last time I checked. I'm calling it a buy around $25 a share. That's my buy price. I'm saying it's a buy right now. Go ahead and buy riot, cooler and riot. Those are my two buys. Those are my two. You've heard my reasoning for cryptocurrencies going up. Cooler, I believe they just keep coming out with new announcements, new contracts, new everything. I believe this downturn right now is people pulling out money for the end of the year to pay taxes because Cooler doesn't have a uh, a, a big in a industrial investor base. It's a lot of people like me and Brandon who are retail investors investing in it. And I believe that's what that movement is. So it's a good time to back up the trucks and buy some Cooler. That's my two calls. Brandon, you got to make it quick, man. So, so if you want to do it or you can wait for next week. Well, you know what? We'll wait for SPACs for next week. That's fine. I can talk about that later. I want you to stay away from SPACs while they're in their SPAC stage prior to them actually merging with another company. I can talk about why later you're losing a lot of capital there. I agree, by the way, too. With that being said, <laughs> with that being said, we can look at previous 
bubbles and be like, oh my God, how stupid were people when they were paying in today's money, $50,000 for a tulip bulb. These were new imports to Holland that they thought were going to create a new economy. It was actually, there were rational reasons behind this in regards to how the rarity of the tulip bulb at the time. Uh, I mean, they look really nice. They're really pretty, right? Like they're, they're great. And there was a, there was a middle-class growing in Amsterdam due to mostly free markets as well, which was great. But the there was a rationale for the dot-com bubble too. Yes, there was. And, and, it, and it can be very hard to spot a bubble when you're in a bubble. And it can be very easy to rationalize the bubble when you're in the bubble as well. So you really need to think critical about your investments. And I really want people to be careful in this market today. But nowadays, we have a lot more like the dot-com bubble. You could have looked into those companies and seen, look, they got no revenue. They got nothing going on. They, they have a fancy dot-com name and that's it. There's nothing behind this company. I'm not investing my money in it. I mean, that should have been a, a signal during that time. Yeah. Well, Virgin Galactic today. I mean, there's no money there. I, well, I, I just don't see the return on investment in Virgin Galactic. It's cool. It's a nice idea. I love it. I think uh, Branton's doing a, 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 a good thing there with space tourism. But I mean, I, Blue Origins is, is leading the way in space tourism. Yep. And then as far as actual industrial space exploration, you know, that's that's elon musk company spacex he's going to be taking it to the next level there and so you had those companies lead in the way it doesn't mean virgin galactic can't get there but i right now where they're at they're, they're not in a profitable stance and that was a spac which i believe <laughs> is, is, a, is a um i believe that's a symptom of the new bubble that we're in right now gotcha we'll, but we'll leave that on the cliffhanger we'll right talk about it next week final thought final thought that's it that's what i had that's all right. That's all right, guys. Uh, Cooler and Riot, man. That's my two calls for this week. Next week, I'm definitely going to look on stock tweets and see if I can get you guys some cool tweets to, to read out of stuff we've read online. That'll be fun again. We haven't done that one in a while. Uh, maybe we should look into that. And then next week, also SPACs. SPACs, guys. Learn all about it. SPACs here, SPACs there, SPACs everywhere. It's like a Dr. Seuss book. All right, guys. Um, as always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a great night. If you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we are good friends with the Money Vikings. And we think that they have a lot of good knowledge and, uh, I mean, just a wealth of knowledge to offer. Uh, About 60 years worth of knowledge and trading experience between the three. Between Greg, Bob, and Jerry. Now, I have some good news for you. Because they have announced a premium program. It's the Money Vikings MVP premium content. Okay? And I have to tell you this right now. If if you are new to the market, you have got to have somebody to mentor you through it. Because 75% of all... All new market entrants will lose all of their money in the first year. And you have to have somebody that will guide you through it to to prevent you from making these mistakes that most people do. And with this MVP access, this premium content, you will get direct access 
to Greg, Bob, and Jerry on Discord. That's the most important feature of this program, in my opinion. They do also have access, well, they will give you access to other things such as hot trades, weekly newsletters, technical analysis. Hey, it's ad free. That's cool too, right? Guides and tutorials, tools and custom technical indicators, exclusive analytics and informative articles, and then, as I said, exclusive direct access to Greg, Jerry, and Bob, who have over 60 years of experience between them. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you need to get a pencil, and you need to get a paper, and you need to write this down, because you get 25% off. Once you go to moneyvikings.com and you sign up, you'll you'll get to enter in this code. It's capital T-M-V-P-1-C-K-1-N-S. That is all capital, T-M-V-P-1-C-K-1-N-S. An easy way to remember that is TMV Pickens, but the one replaces the I. So go to moneyvikings.com, claim your discount for being a Chinchilla Picking Podcast listener, and conquer your financial freedom.